Thank you for tuning into the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. Oh man, I, I really do enjoy going to the movies. Like movies are, are a fun thing for me, which is is difficult at times because when Mel and I were first um, you know, married and, and dating and stuff like I liked doing that and she didn't tell me she didn't like doing that. She just wanted to hang out and so like that was important. But I, I really enjoy going to movies. There's lots of I, I don't have a favorite. Like, it just kind of depends. I like a lot of different movies. I like older movies, newer movies, action, comedy, all of that. And, and I think a lot of why I enjoy going to the movies is you, if, if you do it right, if you go with the right mindset, like, you can just kind of get lost in the, in the movie, right? One of my favorite movies of all time are, are any of the Rockies except for Rocky Five with Tommy Machine Gun. That was horrible. All of the other Rockies are gold, like all of them. And I love watching these movies, and I will watch them again if they pop up. Like I'll spend time watching them. My favorite one might be Rocky Three, because think, think about this. If you've seen it, if you've seen Creed Two, you've really seen portions of Rocky Three and Four mixed together, just so that you know that. But Rocky Three, man, you watch Rocky kind of evolve. And, and deal with insecurities and fear and trying to find his passion to fight all over again. And, and not just to fight, but to fight and win. And so for me, like I'm, I'm in it. Or, or maybe you don't like like the long drawn out ones. Maybe you're in it for like some good action. You enjoy seeing some Marvel movies. And, and do you remember in, in Spider-Man when he, it was far from home and he's over there and, and like there's this new guy on the scene and they're doing different stuff. And, and then there comes this moment in the movie when Spider-Man realizes Mysterio is not a good guy. He's a bad guy. Like this light bulb goes off and this revelation and it changes all of the things that he had to do. And, and those are the things that really suck us in. Whether it's happening throughout a whole movie or in trilogies where we're watching characters evolve and change and grow. And, and that's what really pulls us in because we watch them get to these places. We see the conflict. We see their struggle. And they finally get to a point where they can overcome it. And I think, man, I wish, I wish my life was more like a movie. I wish that I could sit back and rewatch things and, and see where it could be that simple, right? Where, where in one moment it's like, oh, all the things make sense. My entire life has come together in this one moment. I now understand all of it. Let's go. Like I wish that it was that easy. Like there is just one thing. Like you're only missing one thing. Like if you get this one piece, this one bit of truth, like it, it changes everything for you. I mean, could it be that easy? Or, or are we maybe making things a little bit more difficult than what they could be? Are we telling ourselves that life is more complicated than just one thing? That one prayer, one decision, one choice, one, one relationship, one job, like, like one thing can change all of it. But we've convinced ourselves that life doesn't allow it to be like that. At least that's what we've been telling ourselves. So one of our friends, they, they have a, a son. His name is Jude, and he's about four years old. And we're hanging out, and, and Jude comes up to me, and he says, Hey, what's up, man? He's like, I got something in my pocket. 
all right? Like any kid, like if you got something in your pocket, you want to show the world, right? So I said, well, what do you got, Jude? And he says, I got money. And he pulls out money. And you know how kids, this is, I try to help my, my own children. They don't do this correctly. Like parents, teach your children how to fold money correctly. It's not a Kleenex. We don't ball this up. I don't know why that is. That drives me nuts. So he pulls out. And he's like, I got $4. It's like, look. And I said, oh, I see you, Jude. Okay. And so I, I normally don't carry cash. But that day I had cash. And I said, well, Jude, I got something in my pocket too. He's like, really? I said, yeah, I got a 20. And he goes, so? I said, Jude, I'll trade you. And he was like, nope. Puts his money back in his pocket quickly. I said, Jude, wait, wait a second. So I get down, I was like, Jude, dude, look, you have four things. I know that it feels like you have more than me right now because I only have one. I said, but mine has 20 on it and yours only have one. Like, let's trade. I have more than what you do. And, and he's like, uh, no, no. And his dad is overhearing it. He was like, hey, uh, you don't have to like give him any money. And I said, I don't, I don't have to do anything. I'm grown. Like, I'm choosing to do this right now. And then I turned to him, I said, and I might just use this in a sermon. <laughs> and his dad appreciated it because he's a preacher. And so, like, all those things, like, kind of line up. So I said, Jude, like, let's, let's make a trade. So then his dad is in on it now. He's like, come on, Jude, like, just make the trade. It, it, it's okay. And so slowly, like, same time, I don't know you type stuff, like, we swap, right? So I put my, my new $4 back in my pocket Jude puts his $20 in his pocket. And as I begin to think about it, a lot of times we're like Jude. You see, we're so excited to have something, something that we've worked for, prayed for, and, and we're like, man, I got it. It's right here. Look at it. Look how shiny it is. Look, there's four of them. And then when God's like, cool, I'll trade you. We're like, ah, is what you have really better? I worked hard for this. I've been praying for this. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think, God, you just gave me this. You can't be asking me to give that up right now. This morning, my message is titled, Holding Back is Holding You Back. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that in these next few moments that we spend together and in your word, that your word does what only it can do. It sinks down deep into us. It, it, it challenges us. It, it reveals things. And, and Lord, I pray that as, as my voice is heard, that more importantly, your spirit is heard, that we hear you speak to each of us, that, Lord, you would challenge us today. You would speak to our hearts. And, and Lord, I pray that uh, today would be life-changing for all of us. And God, I, I just ask that you would anoint me as I communicate your word to your people. Help me to do it clearly and confidently. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to Mark's gospel, chapter 10. Mark's gospel, chapter 10. I, I told you, like, one of my favorite gospels is Mark. I love how he uh, wrote his, his narrative. And, and so we're going to jump into, sorry, some, some verses that he wrote today, starting with verse 17. It says this, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, 
a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this story is found in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And if you read this story in all of the Gospels, what you'll do is you'll get a better picture of, of who this man really is. Because in Mark, Mark's just like straight to the point, like, hey, there's a guy. He came running up. He asked a question. In the other ones, they, they say different aspects of who he was. And so we learn that this guy has a lot of stuff going on for him. He's not just a random person that comes up. I mean, the first thing I want to point out that he has going on for him is he is in shape. No one, he came running up to Jesus. He had enough breath afterwards to ask him a question. <laughs> Some of you were laughing and the rest of you were like, dang, he's in shape. I'm just playing. I, I said that for myself. So we, we look at, at the narrative of, of all of his story and we find out that he's got stuff going on. He's, he's rich. He's young. We'll discover that in the text. And, and he's important. He's, he's an official, a ruler. He's someone that, that people respect and admire. And so when we begin to think about him, I bet that if, if I said it with enough dramatic pause of who he is, that like it would really sink in. And, and, and maybe even he would have his own theme music when he walks in the room. And it would be like, it's the rich, young ruler. All the wrestling fans are like, yes. All right, that's enough. The rich young ruler strolls in to the music of John Cena. Here's what's funny. When, when I was thinking of like, what could we use? I, I told Britt, I was like, I don't even know. I said, but it goes, dun, 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 dun. And she was like, do more. I was like, that's all I know. Like, that's all it does. <clears throat> But I feel like, like that's who he was. Like he would come in and he would have a strut. And, and maybe today you're like, um, I don't get it. But if you begin to think through your, your own world and the people that are important in history and, and maybe when you were younger, like who were the rich, young, important people? Like today our, our kids would probably look at the Kardashians and, and they would say, oh, they are rich, young, and important those of us that enjoy the royal family, we'd be like, oh, yeah, the princes. Like, oh, look at all of these, these young guys. Oh, yep, that's them. For some of us, we would look at Elon Musk, and, and we would think, oh, rich, young, important. All the people on Shark Tank, at one point, they were rich, young, and important. And if you watch YouTube, you know who Mr. Beast is. You know that he is rich, young, and important. When he shows up, you know some things are going to happen but what's crazy is with all of the stuff that he has, all of the attachment to who he is, like there was, there was something, everything that he had, there was still something outside of his reach, which leads us to the harsh reality that we don't have enough. In a lot of days, we act like if we would just have more, it would make us happy, it would satisfy us. You know, we hear stuff like, well, money can't buy me happiness. Money can't fix all your problems. And if you're like me, we look at the rich people saying that like, but let me try. <laughs> I'm willing to give it a go if you are. Like, let's trade. Because I feel like if you're the rule, like, I'll be the exception to the rule. Like, it will work for me, right? So we, we think that. And so even when we don't have enough, we still pursue it. We pursue stuff and things and money 
But if we can just stop for a moment and look at this story for what it is, here is a guy who has it all, and he's still searching. He's still looking for something more. There, all of the stuff that he has, it's not quite filling up that hole in his heart, and that tells us that that will never be enough. That stuff isn't quite as critical as you may think it is. That it's not going to do the job the way that we think it could. And here's the thing, like this, this isn't a message about stuff. Jesus isn't going to come in and say, hey, all of us are supposed to be poor. That, that's not what he's going to get at. Actually, he's, it, it's not the stuff that's the problem. It's the position that the stuff has in our hearts that's the problem. And we'll see that that's how the story begins to unfold. Because if we have all of the things and we hold it with an open hand, then Jesus can help us to disperse it and put more in at any moment to do whatever it is that he wants to do. I mean, just think back to what he told Abraham. He's like, dude, I'm going to pour out tons of blessing on you so that your pockets can get fat and that's it. No, he did that. He said, I'm going to give you tons of blessing. I'm going to pour that into you so that you can be a blessing to the world. And some of us have adopted that mindset like, man, God, if you will just bless me, I want to be a blessing. I'll be blessed to be a blessing. I hear that a lot of times, and we want that. Here's what Jesus continues to tell him. Why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. Well, to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. Don't steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Common belief in Jesus' day was that salvation was something that you could earn. But this also brings us to our next part of this story. Not only uh, do we not have enough stuff, like it's not going to work, we don't got this either. See, sometimes we feel like this young man because he wanted Jesus to point out the specific things that he needed to check off his list in order to inherit eternal life. What do I got to do? Oh, five things. Hold on, Jesus. I'm taking notes. I'm going to write them down. Actually, look, Jesus, the boxes next to these have been checkmarked. I'm good, right? That's how he was presenting it to Jesus. Like, I got it all, right? I'm good. I get it, eternal life. That, that's it. I did all of the things. The problem is, what can I do is the wrong question. See, we can't do enough to outweigh the sin that we're carrying around. We don't got this. No matter how many good things you and I do, it will never make up for the sin. Doesn't matter if that sin is big, doesn't matter if that sin is small. Good deeds will never wipe out, cover up, outweigh the sin that is in our worlds. If I had a cake and I baked it too long and it was burned, I was like, dang, this is a burned cake. You know what? I bet if I put a ton of icing on it, no one will ever know. Whoosh, throw some icing on that cake, hand it out to everyone and not say a thing. And if anyone says anything, man, this tastes a little like you don't know how to cook. I'm like, come here, get some more icing. Let me put some more icing on it. It doesn't matter how much icing I put on that burnt cake, it's still a burnt cake. It doesn't matter how much good stuff you do with all of the things that you have at your disposal. It does not eliminate the sin that is in your heart. We don't got this. 
You see, in the middle of this question that he asked, it's almost like while he was running up to ask Jesus, he, his ears were shut off because Jesus had actually talked about the kingdom right before this happened. Kids were coming and, and they were talking and, and Jesus was like, hey, don't stop the kids from coming because you need to receive the kingdom just like this. And in that one statement, Jesus lets us know that this is not about earning the kingdom, but receiving the kingdom it's not about what you can do to get your way into it. It's about what's been done for you. So I want to encourage you this morning. Stop trying to do what's already been done. We can get so caught up in all that we're doing for God that we feel like we are earning our spot in right standing with him. We feel like, you know what, um, all the stuff that I've got going on, I'll say like, hey, Jesus, look, look at all the good things that I'm doing today. Look, look, I prayed this morning. Did you check? All right. Look, look, I'm, I'm at church. This is my second time this month. I'm consistent. <laughs> hey, you know what? I, I may even grace a team this month and join up. Watch me volunteer and give my time. to. I started tithing. Jesus, look at all the good things that I'm doing. I prayed. Look, I read your Bible today. All of these things are good, right? It gets me in good. It gets me closer to you, right? Nope. See, we begin to amass all of these things that are good, and we feel like, Jesus, look at these boxes. I'm five for five. Doesn't that get me in? He's like, no. You were already in. I took care of that already. I want a hand in salvation. And Jesus is like, your hand is not big enough to contribute to the task that it took to take care of the sin that you had. I got this. Stop trying to do what's already been done. You see, we look and we're like, but look, we did all these things. But being satisfied with ourselves leaves little room for God. And Jesus... Jesus is more interested in checking hearts than boxes. Watch this. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell your possessions. Give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad for he had many possessions. This young man was looking for one thing to check off of his list that gets him in the door, that, that gets him eternal life. That if he had nine out of ten, he was looking for the tenth thing so that he could walk through the doors. He could say that he was arrived only to find out that there was one thing that he was hiding. I think Jesus, I, I love this story because we see some stuff. I think Jesus gave him a softball here. To hit out of the park. I, I think when he gave him those five things, look back at the list that Jesus gave. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Like, oh, I'm not a murderer. I'm good with my wife. Like, we're, hey. Like, he didn't give him difficult ones. He gave him easier ones, right? And maybe, maybe, I, I don't know why Jesus did this, but here's what I think. I think he gave him these to really gauge where his heart was. So that he could look at Jesus and, and respond one of two ways, like, all right, you know what? I feel like I got those covered, but those, those seem pretty easy, Jesus. Like, what, what else is there? I, I feel like there's more. Or he would just come to the realization that even though those felt like an easy home run for him, he'd be like, as much as I want to get those done, Jesus, I, I can't. I'm, I, 
I'm not good enough. I'm struggling here. Maybe Jesus was setting him up for an opportunity to grab a hold of it or ask something deeper to admit where he was, but he missed it. And I love Jesus' response. Because I'm the rich young man every now and then. Jesus didn't get angry. He didn't walk away from him. He didn't roll his eyes and said, well, you should know. What's it say? It says he looked at him genuinely with love. And we talk about this. But I think that there's something in it. When we notice this in Scripture, that there is something about the way that Jesus is connecting and looking at people with these eyes full of love and compassion, that even in the moments of their failure, he's loving them enough to continue the conversation. He's loving him enough to say, hey, come on, I I know you swung and missed right here, but look this way. Watch this. And that's why the Jesus that I picture will always be the Jesus from the chosen They don't even pay me to say that. But I love the way that we see him interact with people. And I believe that that he is, I don't know, man, he's got it down. But that's how Jesus looks at this man and and draws him in. He says, man, you missed it. You're holding back from me. Because Jesus loves each of us enough to point out our one thing. And in all of this, sometimes we miss The rest of the story, we missed. Did you see that Jesus actually invited him to follow him? Did you miss that in the story? Did did we stop and look at, oh, the man went away sad because he had lots of stuff. Oh, rich people, you stink. Like, did we get caught up in that? Or did we see that Jesus said, and then follow me? Do Do you realize that at that moment, Scripture could have changed. Narrative could have changed. We would not only know his title, but we should know his name. We should know more about who he was. There shouldn't have been 12 disciples that we read about in Scripture. There should have been 13. We should have read a little bit further and discovered the things that he saw, the words that he said, the the stuff that was spoken to him, how he took it all in, the stuff that he did in Jesus' name, but we didn't. Do you know that he's the only person in Scripture to receive this follow-me invitation of Jesus and turn him down? That should tell you how tightly he was holding on to his one thing. And I'm looking at it like, Jesus, get him. Like, there's, there's got to be more than one thing, right? This guy just denied following you. He walked away. He was sad. He came and asked. You didn't ask him. He asked, like, how do I get better? How do I do more? And then you showed him, and he's like, man, get him. Show more. Jesus could have unloaded on him, but he, all he pointed out was one thing. The one thing that kept him from following Jesus with all of his heart. Which leads me to ask this question. What is your one thing? What's your one thing? I know what mine is. Because God's been dealing with me all week as I've been unpacking this story and this scripture Pastor, I'm good. I, I understand. We, we talk a good game and we tell God, like, I give you everything. God, you've got it all. We say these big, ginormous, generic words. And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I get that you're giving me everything. I want that one thing. You see, we try to keep it generic and Jesus always gets specific. And we hope that if we deflect, he'll stop with the inspection, like, go away. I'm good. You've got it all right. N- n- no. He puts his finger right 
on the spot in our heart, in our lives, where we are being dishonest with ourselves, where we are being dishonest with him. It's, it's like what, what I've done with my kids sometimes. I don't know what it is about the last snack that you really have thought about eating all day or that last piece of gum in your package of, of gum. I don't know what it is that turns those into valuable items. That when your children come and ask you for the last piece of gum, what gum? There's no more gum. Because in your mind, you're already chewing it, even though it's still in the package. Don't, I'm not the only one that does that. Some of you get away from, from lying because you just wait till your kids go to sleep and then you eat the snack that you told them wasn't available. You just wait for them to be asleep so you can have it all to yourself. What's your one thing? I know this is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for all of us, but it's necessary. If following Jesus is the goal, then what we are holding on to and holding back is holding us back. God, I ask even more that you would speak to us. What is our one thing? This man didn't ask what his one thing was. Jesus loved him enough to point it out. God, love us enough in this moment to speak to us and point at what we've been holding back. You see, it's difficult to receive from God when we're holding on to what we have with a clenched fist. And he's asking for us to maybe just open our fist because maybe what we've, what we've grabbed a hold of and say is most important is actually not as important. Or, or maybe the grip that we think is not actually the grip that we have because this guy probably thought that he was holding on to his stuff, but we come to find out that it's really holding on to him. That he doesn't just own things, that now these things own him. What's the one thing that you're holding on to that is or could be an idol in your world? The one thing that will keep you from giving Jesus everything that you have. What's the one thing that you've been sacrificing for? Sacrificing time with your family. You've been sacrificing money. You've been sacrificing here and there. Your presence, your time, your energy. You've been sacrificing for this one thing. What is it that Jesus would point at? It could be something secret that no one knows about. It, it could be something that everyone knows. That you're living for this thing. It's the most important thing. And here's the thing, you think that you're in control of it, but it's actually now controlling you. Jesus is asking for that this morning. What's your one thing? Are you, are you holding out and, and holding back because you're really not convinced yet if God is good? And you're just thinking like, all right, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold it back here because maybe if... If God isn't good and I give him this, then I've got nothing. At least if I hold on to it. If God goes back on who he says he is and who I'm hearing that he is, like if he's not really good, at least I've, I've got this. Jesus looked around, verse 23, and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And this amazed them. 
Jesus said again, dear children, it is hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus was being literal here. He wasn't saying like, hey, there's a gate over there and it's more difficult. He wasn't saying that. He was saying literally a camel through the eye of a needle is easier than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. And the disciples were blown away. They were astounded. Who can be saved? And they said that because in Jesus' day, if you were a wealthy person, that was a sign of the Lord's favor on your life. And so this was mind-blowing to the disciples because they're like, we thought they were in. If they're not in, what's going on? And Jesus says, he looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But not with God. Everything is possible with God. And then Peter shows up to the party. He began to speak up. And some of us, this would be us. Uh, Jesus, we gave everything up to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house and brothers, sisters, mother, father, or children, or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property along with persecution and in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. But many who are greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. I love Peter. Peter says what a lot of people are thinking, like, what about us? Like, that guy walked away, but we didn't. We're here. We gave it all up. What's in it for us? And I love Jesus. Because he says a lot of stuff, and he was just like, look, man, it's not the stuff. I got you covered. Just keep walking with me. I got you covered now. I got you covered later. You are walking in life that starts now and lasts forever. You will be good. I will be your provider. He's telling them, like, don't sweat the stuff. It's not really about the stuff. That just happened to be this guy's one thing. What's your one thing? Are you afraid to give up your one thing because you're afraid that you're going to miss out on something else? Well, the truth is we could be missing out. That could be a, a reality that we all need to hear. We could be missing out because Jesus wasn't just asking something from this man, but something for this man. If you will give up all of this stuff and follow me, I have an invitation to give you to life like you've never known. It is the one thing that you've been missing. You came up and asked me, how do I get eternal life? And I'm giving you the keys to eternal life right now. You could be missing out on the life that you say you want the most, the things that you want, you want. We are convinced that money fixes things sometimes. We're convinced that if we have enough respect and status that that will take care of things. Some of us, our one thing is sin because it feels so good that right now we can't walk away from it. But Jesus is just saying, if you will let go for just a moment and follow me, I'll show you a life that you tell me you want. You want a life of significance and importance. You want to make a difference. You want your life to matter most. Well, if that's really what you want, stop missing out on that and come and follow me. You see, we, we, we thought we were holding back just, just in case, but it's actually holding us back from the life that Jesus is dying to give us. A life that he's inviting us into. A, a, a life that is all about following. His offer still stands. What's your one thing? 
If you'll give up your one thing and follow me, I will give you life like you've never experienced it before. I'll give it all to you. What does he say? I got everything covered. So what's keeping you from saying that you're all in? That I'll go, I'll be, I'll do, I'll give, I'll I'll be whatever you need me to do. Because when you say you're in, when you give up everything, it will change your life. It will be the one thing that you said was most important that you've been missing all along. It now is at your fingertips, but it doesn't make sense. You're telling me i got to let go of something over here for something over here that I'm really not sure about. I know it doesn't make any sense, but could it possibly be that we've been thinking about possibility from the wrong perspective? So don't allow what's possible to be defined by our world. We serve a God that does the impossible. You can stay married. You can be a good father, a good mother. You can be addiction-free. That's just the way it is. Isn't a phrase that you have to live by anymore because I know a God that can change the way it is into how things could be and should be. He is a God. Everything is in his hands. Your family, your direction, your home, your business, all that you are hoping for and dreaming for are in the hands of a God that does impossible every single day. And he is good. And he's got you covered. All of the worries, all of the things that you've been thinking about, man, you can trust him. Holding back is holding you back. Just let your one thing go. Jude had to get to a place where he could trust me. Where he could trust that if he gave me his four dollars, that I would in turn give him this twenty. It didn't feel right to him. And I know part of you, some of us are still saying like, "Ah, I would would trade it, but come on, what if... What if God isn't isn't good? I mean, like, so so just in case, just in case God isn't good, like, I'll hold on to a little bit because I I know that you're saying that that God is good, but I don't want to be alone. I need somebody. I don't, I don't want to be alone anymore. I know that you're saying that God is good, Pastor, but, but I, I got to have my weekends. I know that you're saying that, that God is good, Pastor, but I'm going to handle my stress the way that I want to. I'm going to do the things that I feel like are right for me. And I'm going to tell you this morning that God is good. There are no buts about it. He is good. He's always been good. He has good things in store. Matter of fact, Matthew tells us in Matthew chapter 7 that God isn't just good that he is a good God that wants to give good gifts to his kids. He's not just a good God. He wants to give good things to you. And if you look a little further in Romans 8, not only is he a good God, but he is a God that takes bad things and turns them into good. The stuff that you did to yourself, the stuff that I did to myself, the stuff that other people did, the stuff they stole from us, the stuff the enemy tried to do, all of those hopes to crush us and kill us and put us down. He'll take all that bad stuff if I give it to him and he'll turn it into good good somehow his goodness Romans 2 tells us that it's actually to lead us to a place where we want relationship with him that we would realize that his kindness and his goodness is bringing us closer to him that he wants us to trust him he wants relationship with us he he does love us and he he proves it because he, he knew no sin 
And he said, you know what? I'll just come and become sin for them. You know what? I, I know that they have to pay for the price of their sin on the cross. I, I'll take that spot. And he trades us places so that we can take his place next to the Father. His goodness is all about bringing us closer to him for repentance. And I'm going to tell you this morning that repentance is better than regret all day long. Don't walk out the doors today with your one thing. Don't allow yourself to convince yourself that I still need it. God is good, but, or maybe I'm going to miss out on something you might be. You might be missing out on the experience of a lifetime, the life that you've hoped for. If you keep a hold of your one thing, repentance is better than regret. Jesus wants so much more for you. He wants to give you that life and so much more. He wants to do more for you than you could want to do for you. Would you close your eyes this morning? Maybe this morning you're here and, and you say, Pastor Kevin, I, I really feel like what you're saying is, is ringing true for me because I, I've been trying to do all these things on my own and it's not been working. I've been better for a little bit, but I'm, I'm not who I want to be. And today you're telling me that God is good and, and he wants relationship with me. And I, I need that. I need that relationship. Give him my heart this morning. Say, that's, that's me, Pastor. I need, I need to give Jesus my heart. I, I need a relationship with him. Just raise your hand and make eye contact with me. Is there anybody here that said, Pastor Kevin, man, that's, that's me. I need to restore my heart to Jesus today. I see that hand. Is there anybody else that said, Pastor Kevin, man, I, I need that. I need to accept Jesus again for the first time. Would you stand with me? Is everybody in the building. See, maybe you don't need to commit your life to Jesus because you've done that. You told him, you, you invited him in, you've been following him. But this morning he's been whispering about that one thing, about the one thing that you've been holding back from him like this. And he's just asking for it this morning. He's asking you to trade it for the life that he designed for you, the life that he created just for you. So I'm gonna ask you to take a step of faith this morning, that if that's you, if, if all of this has just been like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have stayed in bed this morning. You, you hear the spirit, you hear God saying, it, it's you, give me, it's that, it's that. This morning, I'm just gonna invite you to come meet me here at the altar. While the worship team is playing, before they start praying, none of that really matters. It just matters what you do with your one thing. Because Jesus is asking you for, will you stay where you are? Or will you say, you know what? I'm willing to move from where I am towards whatever it is that God has for me. So will you come? Has God been speaking to you? What is your one thing? I'm going to join whoever comes right down here and pray because God spoke to me about my one thing and I want to make sure I leave it here today and make the exchange. I don't want to walk out of here with regret. So what's your one thing? 
What have you been holding back from God as, as they start singing? Go ahead and make your way. Sean stepped out. He took a big step right now. Use that to build your own confidence to make your way towards what God is saying to you. What is your one thing? What is keeping you from giving him everything? Our prayer is that this message impacted you. We would love to hear your story and have you partner with us financially as we work to spread the life-changing story of Jesus. You can do this at newvisiongrandview.com.